And because of his attitude, he gave me the space to grow into the person that I needed to become because I needed to dig myself out of that horrible pit of low self-esteem. And I knew there wasn't anybody else. She was everything, you know, mm -hmm. that, that I thought. And so I just, I continued to wait. We continued to have fun. Yeah. I continued to break her down. <laughs> <laughs> Take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple, Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy. And welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Please check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at couplesynergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring in our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. George and Vanessa Nam, who specialize in physician marriage coaching and have been coaching married couples for over 25 years. Vanessa is a relationship and intimacy coach trained in the Somatica method. And Dr. George is the author of the book, What's Forever For? A Physician's Guide for Everlasting Love and Success in Marriage. Dr. George and Vanessa, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thanks for having us. Uh, Dr. Ray and Jean, we're big fans and we're honored to be here. The honor is all ours. Thank you so much for being our guest. You know, we want to get into your story. We want to get into why you guys, you know, took up this, this flag of helping couples and how you guys got there. But before we get into that, let's find out a little bit more about you. You know, how old are you? How, how long have you been together? We have been together going on 31 years. Yay. Yeah. 31 yeah. years. Awesome. And I was previously married. So I have experienced, you know, I've experienced that. Um, he wants to know how old you are, honey. I am 58. <laughs> Yay. All right. Boy, you're old. I know. I'm 63. Okay. Yeah. And, and Dr. George, you are a physician, correct? Yes, I, I'm a family physician, but currently not practicing and because we're doing this full time. This is Wonderful. there's such a need, as you guys know. And so mm -hmm. it uh, it takes full time and, and it's a labor of love. And we're just so thrilled to do it day after day. Can you guys tell us the story of how you met? Um. I grew up in a very traditional Italian family and I wasn't told you need to marry an Italian, but I could feel that my parents would have been thrilled because of it. So of course they introduced me to uh, one of their friends and um, his son and fast forward, we started dating, we married, I was 21 years old and I was too young to understand really what I was getting into. 
number one. And I thought that some of the behaviors that I saw prior to the wedding, um, I thought I could change that. <laughs> and yeah, how about, yeah. And it just didn't happen. And he had issues with alcoholism and, you know, I tried, I was in that marriage for five and a half years. I was raised to believe that you marry one time. Um, so I carried shame because of that and um, realized that I could lead that horse to water, but I couldn't make him drink. He just was unwilling. And I thought, you know, I don't want to spend the rest of my life in a marriage that I feel that I'm unloved in. Um, so I made the choice to divorce and I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Fast forward, I met Jeep and I was very cautious because I thought I am not going to step back into another problem. Uh, so of course I had my little checklist in my head and, you know, he was checking off all the boxes. He just was incredibly kind, very patient with me, very just generous with his time and we just talked about things that were important to each other and really got to know each other so you called him jeep yes, yes. that's a nickname short for george philip okay, okay. yeah GP. So my patients know me as dr jeep my friends know me as jeep and mm -hmm. my family my aunt mm -hmm. years ago shortly after i was born is the one who gave me the nickname and it's just kind of stuck and it's a good it's kind of a good icebreaker you yeah, know people is. look and they say oh his name's jeep and that's what he goes by he can't be too bad to talk to and <laughs> for the most part that's you know that's that's kind of always worked that way i'm people call me george and i don't mind if you guys do i just think george is a little formal not not that i don't like the name i'm just used to jeep that's all so what was that initial meeting like? like where did where did you actually meet? Well, um, I, let me go into my side a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I always treasured being married. It's always something that I had, you know, um, in my mind. And I had relationships, a couple that went on for a couple of years and uh, and, and that's the thing, it, if, you know, they go on and you break up, you hopefully learn from those. So when you go to the next one, you've, you put what you've learned into place. And so I had another one, a little bit better, but things got rocky at the end. I was even engaged to her, but, you know, I had a lot of people that knew me, friends and family who said, you're, she's not the one for you. And when you're involved, you, you kind of sometimes are not, um, you're, you're not, um, that objective. You tune it out, You tune it out. But mm -hmm. fortunately I was able to look at it more objectively. So mm -hmm. we stopped it before it went on shortly after that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, my sister-in-law, my brother's wife, um, knew about me, knew about Vanessa. And it was kind of like, I would ask her about Vanessa, Vanessa would ask her about me. And so 
we knew a lot about each other before we even had a first date. She would say, you just have to meet Jeep. You guys would be awesome together. <laughs> and everything that I heard um, from mm -hmm. her, and I knew that, you know, because she'd been married to my brother for um, probably Happy about years. six years, and they dated mm -hmm. some. And so I knew her pretty well, and I knew that she was not going to lead me on. And so um, I, I liked everything I heard. I felt like this is mm -hmm. this is the woman that I'm looking for. And, you know, we went on that date and it was a Chi Chi's. Do you remember? Oh, the Mexican, yeah. Restaurant. Yeah, Mexican restaurant. And actually, his brother was having his 30th birthday party. So we met at Chi Chi's and, you know, talked a little bit there and then moved on to the birthday party. And I mean, the rest of it, you know, it was just, I mean, it was history. I knew shortly after that, that, that I, she wanted, was your person. I wanted to marry her. Yeah. He was moving way too fast for me, <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought there's so many good things here and, you know, just keep rolling with it. And, um, you know, we developed the relationship and, um, yeah. What was it about each other that you fell in love with? Oh, wow. So many things. Um, yeah. And that's during our training. That's one of the things that we did and we do it with our couples is, you know, what's, what's your most endearing quality. And, um, I would say the most endearing quality, um, about Vanessa was that she didn't try to change who I was. She, um, an extraordinarily good listener. And something that was important for me is that uh, she was very affectionate uh, with me. So mm -hmm. she crossed all my boxes off more than more than a few. And even, you know, if there were more boxes that I was looking at, she crossed them off too. So yeah, just a very kind, loving person. You know, when we got together, she was broken. Uh, she'd been, mm -hmm. you know, the, her prior marriage, just with lots of disrespect. And, and so when we got together, it was like, this is a really good person. And there is no reason why she should feel the way she does. And, and I was like, um, you know, I know that we can work this and I know that she can have a better life. And, and because of his attitude, he gave me the space to grow into the person that I needed to become because I needed to dig myself out of that horrible pit of low self-esteem and feeling like I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't be attractive to someone anymore and that I wasn't good enough for someone because that's how I felt in that marriage. You know, he never wanted to spend time with me. He was drinking until 10 o'clock at night. Um, I'd say, let's go out for dinner here on and on and on. And it was so different with Jeep because I would, you know, would like make plans to go and he always was willing to do whatever I wanted to do and the kindness and the respect and um, the gentleness because he was so gentle. 
he knew that I needed gentleness at that time. You, you needed a cheerleader. And, and I needed a cheerleader. But you didn't have. Definitely. Before, unfortunately. Definitely. And, um, it, you know, month by month, it just got better and better until we got engaged. We um, actually surprised me. We went to Toronto, Canada to see Phantom of the Opera at the Pantages Theater. And during music of the night, he got down on his knee and I'm like, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> and um, yeah, during the rest the performance. During the performance. And it, was, it was the it, it was the song Music of the Night. Yeah. Where the Phantom is sitting there playing the music, which is I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Phantom, the opera was huge during our engagement. Yep. You know, it's when it was coming out. We both loved the music, loved the story, loved <laughs> loved how the um, the original movie, with you know, by a genius to be turned into what it was by Andrew Lloyd oh, Webber, and yeah. so we just were crazy about it. And I thought, okay, we're gonna go up here, and she's not gonna know about this. So I thought about it ahead of time, and there were some people around as I got down as the Phantom was singing, and she said yes of course <laughs> <laughs> it was it just it was, it was awesome uh, it was it just it was really such was. an awesome time and how long after starting dating did you guys engage get engaged gage it was maybe a year and a half and then we got married within two something like that yeah i mean we we started dating in january and mm -hmm. we got engaged the following february oh, okay a year see i know that timeline by heart <laughs> <laughs> I, now you said that he was moving too fast why yeah why oh my goodness um we spent a lot of time in the car because we lived in pittsburgh but my family was from this small area in Ohio. So it'd take us about an hour and a half to get there. His family was, you know, close to West Virginia and Ohio was like 30 minutes apart. So it was like the triangle, Pittsburgh, and then my family, his family, and we'd come home on the weekends and visit them. And um, the car rides were long. And we, that's another thing that I just fell in love with is we never, there was never a time when we had nothing to say to each other. And I'm a question person. And, you know, because he was a doctor, he had gone through medical school, he was in residency. I mean, I can pepper the questions, boom. And he, he answered them. He met, he really got my intellectual steam going. So we met on that level, which was very huge for me. And so we talked in the car and I, I think it was a couple months into our relationship and he's wanting to talk about marriage and kids. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I, I need, I need to, we need to wait a little longer. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not ready. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I need to make sure I'm not making mistake number two. Because mm, yeah. I haven't really known him long enough. So I was cautiously optimistic um, and just let time take its course. And I could understand that. I mean, she'd been divorced. She'd been in a just a horrendous relationship. Yeah. And 
really stayed in it, really, really trying hard to make it work yeah. and doing really more than, um, uh, than should have been done because she was getting no help from the other side. So I understood that. Um, I wasn't crazy about it because I knew there wasn't anybody else. She was everything, you know, mm -hmm. that, that I thought. And so I just, I continued to wait. We continued to have fun. Yeah. I continued to break her down. <laughs> and and, oh and so finally, you know, finally she said, yes, I talked to her mom about the ring and all that stuff. And it was. I just it, couldn't it imagine just, my life without him. It, you know, when you think about that limerent stage where, where, it's almost like you're living a dream. It's an alternate reality that everything is just, you can't even imagine not, I mean, we were firing on all cylinders and I could never ma imagine a time where we would get to a point where we weren't um, because I really didn't understand about the stages of relationship and long-term marriage and how you grow that path. And of course, when you bring children on, how that factors into the mix of things. And, um, but it, it was beyond, really beyond my wildest dreams, and, our courtship. And, you know, I had, like I said, I'd been in a couple of relationships and thought that I was in love. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was, but certainly nothing like this. I mean, yeah. this is what real love, real love was. Yeah, and, and we, it, we felt like, um you know we 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 have faith we're christians and we felt that really there was a higher power bringing us together now you guys coach physicians and physician mm -hmm. marriages now uh -huh. were there are some lessons that you guys went through you know in your own marriage that led you to yeah. want to help physicians in their marriages well, I was born into a physician marriage. Uh, my dad uh, was a physician for 50 years. My grandfather was a physician. My brother is a physician. And, and I grew up around his, my dad's friends who were physicians. Unfortunately, dad was really a great uh, doctor. He wasn't a very good husband. He, um, he treated, um, you know, and because he wasn't, it, it, it led to a, pretty dysfunctional marriage. And that kind of carried over to us, the kids. Um, he, a lot of narcissistic behavior. Uh, I had to be right about everything. It really never gave my mother any credit for her contribution to the household. Um, and just, you know, in, unless she agreed with what he was saying, he felt that he was being disrespected. And I just, you know, and that, Eventually, what happened with that is he used that as a rationalization um, to become unfaithful. And he did that several times, probably many more than we know about. Um, and so that did, it kind of knocked him off this pedestal that I had of him. I still loved him as my father, but um, this was something that... Um, it really did need to happen had he had a, a different attitude than he had. And as a doctor, you know, there's so many easy things that you can do. You tell your 
tell your wife or your husband, oh, I'm going to go around at the hospital or I'm, you know, I have a, a dinner that I have to go to or I have to talk to somebody in administration and they have to have that kind of trust in you. Mm-hmm. Well, he broke, he broke that. Um, and so, you know, I really wasn't at a, a point in time where I could call him on it. Now I did later, but, and so I decided that, you know, um, I knew two things. I wanted to be married. I wanted to be a doctor and that I felt that a physician marriage could work. Do you, and, think, do you think that that type of personality is attracted to becoming a doctor or do you think becoming a doctor enhances that, that part of the personality? That is, yeah. that that is, is an, an excellent, excellent question. question. You know, we, uh, as we talk to docs um, and we do podcasts with a lot of the medical professionals, um, uh, physicians that do, awesome yeah, that do podcasts, the process of becoming a physician is so grueling and then you go out of medical school into residency and i mean you can't make mistakes and it's dehumanizing Mm -hmm. so they lose i believe they lose a lot on the way Mm -hmm. and just the uh the setup of you know them not allowing to be wrong they're they're not allowing or to be emotional exactly or to be emotional and he was caught in that trap um yeah absolutely i think um i think docs get into it for the right reasons because we have a nephew that went through a medical school and they get into it for the right reasons Um, yes but along the way you know it it changes them it in if there's narcissistic tendencies before going into training, they are going to be exaggerated. Mm-hmm. You have to have a little bit of an ego to even go through this, you know, because you you have to give up so much. You know, a lot of your life is given to training before you before you even um, uh, start to do what you really want to do um and uh so some of that you know it's kind of um drilled into you but if you're already a narcissist when you're doing it it's just going to make it infinitely worse and i think with my dad that that certainly was the case with him so if you if you don't know an answer and you have to convincingly make one up (laughs) i've seen that spread throughout the entire life not just medically Yes. Yeah. Raised dad's also a physician. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, that God complex. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think you have to have a level of confidence, confidence. to right. into That's it. the field to begin with. But then, you know, the, the way that the field is, is structured, it's still structured on the military uh, structure. It is. Yeah. You, you have to, <laughs> you have to grow a backbone and you have to be able to be right no matter what direction yeah. you're going in even when you're wrong you have and, it, right. and it's that that can be so deflating and devastating if you let it um and that's specifically why i went into family practice um and when i was in practice you know i, I would tell patients i would say you know um the only time i'm ever going to wear a lab coat is if i'm cold 
I said, you'll see me the way I, the way I'm dressed right now, um, which put people at ease. And mm -hmm. I said, I'm not better than you. I said, you do what you do. You're an electrician or you, you're a plumber or you're a roofer. I would come to you for what you do, just mm -hmm. like you come to me for what I do. Just because I'm a doctor doesn't make me on a level above you. Mm -hmm. And really, if I had a choice to go out to dinner and have a beer with a patient over a doctor, I would do that at any time because there's no airs mm. there. There's no, um, Competitiveness. Uh, right. There's, there's no false front there. And so, and that's what really attracted uh, me to do that. Um, but I could see how, uh, how, physicians can fall into that trap if they're not aware of what's happening to them. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, in the couples that we coach, sometimes there isn't that awareness, mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. though their wives or husbands may be saying, did, did you hear what you just said? Did, are, are you aware of how you act? And they're either going to say no, or, oh, you're just, you know, you're, you're just uh, being you're being silly. Mm -hmm. How did how did you guys being in a physician marriage impact you guys? Well, we started out in practice together. Um, I'm an accountant by profession, so I also entrepreneurial. So you know, it just it just was a great fit. And back then, you know, people docs were going into practice and not joining large groups like medicines. Totally changed. And so uh, we decided that we would move back to this area, start a practice. I did the medicine, I did the business, he did the medicine, and we worked together very, very well. Um, because we were, I mean, technically, we weren't constantly face to face all day long. And the trouble came when we had a child our first child and She's gonna tell on me <laughs> and he would round after work i would go pick up the the our first daughter and then it became kids then he would go rounding to the hospitals and at a at one point in time there were five of them so dinner wasn't usually until eight o'clock at night well i couldn't have our kids waiting on him to get dinner so that was one of the sacrifices that our family had to make to accommodate his schedule and um but we found other ways to um we just we we would substitute we would find another way to get what we needed in a different way um but the biggest thing was when i would come home of course i felt like i was walking into my second job and then when we had our second child it was even magnified and I'd be trying to cook and, you know, it was very, very tough. And so then he can share what his part with you. Yeah. So, it, and it's worse now for physicians than it was back, you know, when, when I started, um, but you go, you go to the, to the office mm -hmm. and you, you know, to some extent what to expect. And I'm sure your dad, um, knows that Ray or knew that and um so you you deal with unexpected things some days are less stressful than others mm -hmm. and 
Um, so like Vanessa said, I was going to a bunch of hospitals. So there, most days I would come home, walk through the door and I'm numb. You know, I'm like, I have nothing left up here. And so all I want to do is go to my chair and watch TV and just decompress for an hour. Well, a lot of times it, it was longer than an hour and a half. So I sat there glued oblivious to what was going on behind me, which was Vanessa cooking and the kids just pawing at her and she's doing everything. You know, she's entertaining them. She's, uh, she's doing, she's cooking. She's taking them to the bathroom when, you know, during potty training and all that stuff. And I'm sitting on a chair like a lump and and this was something that my dad did and something that I said, I'm not going to imitate that behavior. But unfortunately, some of these things that are learned, it, unless you become aware of it, because it's, just, you know, passed down, you're going to, you're damned to do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. So that went on for a period of time. And of course, I'm madder than a snake. So resentments building so so she you know just came to me one time and said hey you know um i work at the office yeah i know you do too i i know you don't get home till late but i don't only have that job but, but i take care of kids too you know i carried them i birthed them now i'm doing all this and we said this was going to be a team effort and mm-hmm you know, there's no I in team and it, and it's like, you're, you're not part of this. Mm-hmm. And so I gave her a lot of credit for confronting me mm-hmm. about that. How long and did that go on before you guys had that conversation? That is a really good question. And I'm thinking that was over time, you know, of course it wasn't just like for months on end, but it would, you know, it would ebb and flow. Um, I'd say over a year, maybe two. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I would agree to that. And Mm -hmm. so she just, you know, basically said, um, you know, I'm in this alone. And so I started to think about that and, you know, and I said, boy, you really right. I, I just, you know, completely didn't become aware of that. And, um, so I give her a whole lot of credit for doing that and, what we call compassionate intuition is that I knew that she was coming from a good place. She was not mm-hmm. trying to put me down. She was, she just was make, trying to make me aware of that. And had she not done that, I probably unknowingly would have gone on and done that. And I wouldn't have been as big of a factor in my kids' lives as, and I would have missed out on so many things, but Definitely. she, she did that and we were able to work through that. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of, a, we see that a lot in, in uh, healthcare professional couples, mm-hmm. a lot of it. So you said we could go anywhere. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Menopause. Ah. Uh... <laughs> How, how did that impact your relationship? Oh, it's still impacting our relationship. It's huge. It's not talked about. It's not. It changes both of us. It does. It really does. And, and, you know, you know, he's in his sixties now. So of course, andropause, 
Yeah, but not as much as the menopause. I said menopause. We have to go through a menopause. We have to go through the menopause. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, definitely. Um, and I started young. I started probably around 44, and it felt like it lasted for 15 years. Um, to I finally got post menopause. So I felt like, you know, I'd Google it and see that, you know, out of 30 symptoms, I've got like 25 of them. Um, it, it just, it was exhausting. Of course, there's irritability, there's fatigue, there's night sweats in the middle of the night. Um, yeah. There's a whole shift that rewires in your brain. Yeah. Oh, stuff absolutely. that you could tolerate when you were younger. Yep. Yes. Well, and that's, you know, that shows you what, you know, what kind of effect estrogen has had on your brain for all these years. Yep. And, and me as a doctor, this is again, you know, I'm telling on myself that, you know, I take care of so many women that, um, you know, they had been through menopause, you know, talked to them a lot about the issues that they were having, the changes that they were undergoing. And so I'm, didn't have to I'm not, yeah, so I'm, I'm not going through it with her. I, I'm, it's secondary to what she's going through, but, you know, things change when you're, um, you know, in the bedroom at that age. And I'm like, desire, you know, because and then, the hormones aren't there to fuel it. And things, dryness, that, things that were yeah, okay, or things that that were, you know, yeah, 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 all of a sudden, it's like, Oh, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore. And then so you as a as a man, you're like, well, that, am I not doing it right? Or am i not attractive anymore or you know what is it and so i you know and so yes i um that absolutely there's been a decrease in testosterone but you know i still have a pretty high drive and um mm -hmm. she doesn't and that's something that if you don't work through that 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 just can be adds a lot of so stress enormous mm -hmm. on you know, on top of any other problems that you may be happening. So you really need to communicate about it. And that's what, and it's a hard know. subject to communicate about. Very. So one of the things that's going on in the female brain is da, 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 da. okay. Sex. Yeah. No, it doesn't, we can't get there. And that, right. that nurture, yep. the affection, the talking, well, then the desire shows up. Yeah, you know, but it's so much more work than when you're younger. And and then I think for guys, it's kind of scary. Like, it, I don't want to lose that part of me. Right. And slow this down. What if I'm losing my mojo? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, not to mention just the the emotional uh, echoes that come up. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. as you were saying, things that were okay before are not anymore. And, you know, this is beyond just the physical connection. But it's all of that emotional debt that we have been collecting throughout our entire lives. It's like it comes up at this time to really go through and process. Yeah, like everything that happened during puberty has to get healed in reverse yes. puberty. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. Oh, that's so well put. And and yeah. we don't like change. You know, <laughs> human beings really don't like change. So when you're going through life and your bodies are changing and you're used to how it was and, and realizing that um, it's not the same anymore, that's really hard. Well, and, and as a guy, it's like, um, okay, you know, how, how often if, or do you really care whether we have it? And then, then yeah, you start, questions. Then, then your mortality works into it. Cause you know, that, you know, we're, we're not promised, you know, the next day. So, so, so that kind of goes into your head and you, you know, not only is the frequency going to decrease, but you want that still to be a part of what, you know, of what you are in, but at the same time, you have to be um, patient and you have to be loving about all of that and empathetic and vulnerable if you, you need to be. And that's what that's what helps you get through that. One of the things he says to me is um, you, because he's a doctor, he knows what kind of medical conditions, problems you know, can happen down the road with, you know, us getting into those sixties and seventies. And, and that's, what's on his mind and, and explain how you say it to me. Um, yeah, that, um, and that, that was one thing that I would talk to women about, and I was very direct about it because I know a lot of physicians just, they don't want to go there with women. I, I would say so. So how is your, you know, how is your sex life? And yeah, you know, I, I would, I would get a look like, man, I, nobody really ever asked me that. I can't believe you asked me that. And I'm like, well, I think it's important. And uh, especially if women are on medications, um, yeah. you know, if they're on something for blood pressure, it's going to, cause a, a problem with desire into um as well as you know with the decreased estrogen if they're on an antidepressant you know that really um uh, because serotonin has a lot to do with libido and, and when that's blocked it's uh you know that can be an issue too and a lot of women would say that we're on um the uh uh antidepressants would say I'm dead down there. I can't feel anything. So there's a really great resource by uh, Dr. Christian Northrup called mm -hmm. The Wisdom of Menopause. Yep. And it's really an amazing thing that, you know, when you're in those hormonal shifts, there's a part of your brain that gives you crazy talk. Yeah. And there's a part of your brain that gives you wisdom. And to figure <laughs> out which is which, it's a little tricky, especially sure. when, when you're, going through all that fluctuation and and i don't think people really know but women between 42 and 62 have the worst mental health of any category anywhere and in the united states we live such unnatural lives it is so yeah. yeah yeah so of course our hormones get out of whack and one of the most impactful things for that is meditation well when your brain's crazy and trying to meditate it's really difficult <laughs> And so it is, it is a challenging thing to learn to master your body at that stage of life. I agree with you there.
Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that we do uh, in our coaching is to concentrate on breathing. Mm -hmm. And that's something in her, in her training, training, training you know, like getting the, getting out of the head and getting the body back on board. And, and that has been a huge change, um, you know, for us. Well, a lot of coaches don't, um, you know, they don't want to go there. And if there's an issue there, they will refer them out to a sex coach or something like that. And that's one of the reasons why Vanessa got the training and she learned an incredible amount from it. And I was a big beneficiary of it as are, Mm -hmm. you know, as are our clients. So Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's something added that, um, you know, they can stick with us and they don't have to go to, um, you know, somewhere else to get um, what they need in that regard. Unless, of course, you know, it's beyond our scope, right. then, of course, mm-hmm. you know, then they're referred to a therapist. Now, you know, I, I saw a stat somewhere about um, divorce rates with physicians and divorce rates for police officers that they're pretty, pretty much similar. It's a very yeah. high divorce rate. And, and so how do you how do you get a physician who has been sitting on the couch, may not be really aware of that disconnect that's happening, and mm-hmm. now his, his wife's got one foot out the door, you know, what, where do you go with that? We start at the beginning. We start at, and then we teach them a method of communicating that is more written than speaking so that they're not flipped on the defensive immediately and we start with kind of how you started with us what what's his most endearing quality when you guys got together tell you know what did that look like what why did you fall in love why did you get married why did you get married or do you even know why you got right and and just recalling that and you know explaining feelings and how they can describe their feelings to each other so that in describing them they can become more connected and then you know the vulnerability happens the um empathy happens and we just you know just work with that but we're teaching them how to communicate that and we use ourselves um as an example especially that example that we, right. were, we were talking about it is an inability to disconnect from work right. and reconnect at home mm-hmm. it's huge and it's worse now than it ever has been mm-hmm. and yeah. and you're you me you know i knew what my dad did but i was falling into that trap and this may be behavior that the you know, the spouse has not called them on. So they've kind of gotten into a rut of continuing to do that. So it's making them aware that that behavior is going on and and finding out, okay, why do you come home? Mm -hmm. Why do you sit in that chair? What is the problem with you having a connection with your spouse or, or your kids? Is it that you're still thinking about what happened at work that day? Um, is, is it something that you have a problem sharing with your spouse? Do you feel like that you need to be left alone and left to deal with the, with your you know by yourself? And there are a lot of physicians that yeah, that's what they want to do. Um, 
they it's it's almost a um it's a blow to the ego to sit there and admit that you've got a problem um and so that's one or they don't want to burden their spouse i think it's more and the then first too. than the second yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so go ahead now do you guys see differences in the, the marriages where the husband is the doctor versus the wife being the doctor versus both of them being doctors? You know, there, there are some like for physician, um, physicians who, female physicians uh, with husbands that are not uh, in the medical profession. Um, and, you know, the woman's doing everything at home like her you know she's doing female things at home but he's not taking into consideration that what type of a job that she really has so those um what's the word for it the um the society that's just you know male dominant you know they're not going to mix the division of labor um so you know we we talk a lot about that we talk about this is a team sport and folks really need to decide together um because you know that if one person works and the other one doesn't you're not getting very far that, i know what you're saying um mm -hmm um about two spouses that mm -hmm. are physicians the woman it obviously if there's going to be an agreement to have kids mm -hmm. she still is going to have the most difficult job because she's going to still you know she's she's going to be like kind of like vanessa was she's going to go whatever specialty she's in and um she's going to have to make a a sacrifice maybe not mm -hmm. um be able to have the kind of dream or the desire that she's had to do in her specialty because of having children mm -hmm. and so that is something i don't think that um the other spouse really understands well enough mm -hmm. um and and it's it's again it's making him aware about that you know so, sometimes you'll see a um say you know the husband is a anesthesiologist and mm -hmm. is on call and has to go in the hospital in the middle of the night and mm -hmm. say that um you know the wife is doing pediatrics and um she's on call but possibly not as uh, as much as he is and so it's easy to get into this type of a habit and say, well, you really don't understand. Yeah. I, you know, I'm up at all hours of the night. I've had cases that have gone bad. And do you really get that? Do you really experience that? Like I do almost like making her feel Dependent. like a guilt. Yeah. Like, like whatever specialty it. is, well, my specialties works harder than yours does. So that happens to start becoming like transactional and do the comparison game yeah, yeah absolutely and, and it's you have to like vanessa said this gender role that was more of a of a kind of thing back when 
my parents were right you know it's like it just you, keeps you know, on take, trickling down but, but you have to mm -hmm. there are no gender role you, right especially in the house it's like both of you do what you need to do you know if you if usually um mom is taking uh, your child to dance or uh to kindergarten or whatever and she's having a bad day you just you get up and you go do it or and that and that i can remember the early years too when i was not a dance mom i wanted our daughter to go to dance there we had large gaps in between each kid and we have three kids um and i said i don't want to be a dance mom and he he's like okay i'll be a dance dad that was his time with chelsea one-on-one -on -one. every week he took her to dance i always treasure yeah I, oh it was just yeah but if i was steadfast and said and hey i'm the i'm the man i right. don't do stuff like that right you know i'm i'm not gonna do that then i would have missed out all, on all of that it definitely enriches both of your lives absolutely yeah. mm -hmm. i think what happens when we're younger in relationships is we think about what we're not getting yeah and, yeah and then when we go through this beautiful change of life which is yeah. like the hulk um <laughs> it's about what can i give and and that becomes a, a different place of connection a little bit higher up in the body like the heart than the lower stuff which actually enhances all of it well so, said last question uh -huh. what is it your partner does that you know they love you wow <sighs> wow you're, you're 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 trying to think of something really in particular there's so many <laughs> i go i go the analytical route because wow, i'm the analyzer with everything that comes from being an accountant yeah um <laughs> Well, this is just one thing. I'm just trying to think of, you know, of all the things. This is the one that came to my mind or is staying here. And that is he will get up early every now and then, not every weekend, and go to Starbucks and bring me home a tea. Um, and and maybe we have chocolate covered pretzels here that by this one company that they're to die for and he'll get me that and and i that's awesome although gifts you know that's not my love language gifts is not my love language but i don't know it, it's because it, it took effort it took time but there are so many ways that i know that what what he does i know he loves me i think um vanessa's empathy Mm -hmm. um you know we've had some you know we've had some difficult times and um and she she's mm -hmm. never you know she's always looked you know, like she's looking into my soul she's she understands how i'm feeling and she mm -hmm. gets it when i need more support it's like you know every you each of you you'd like to think each of you gives a hundred percent to your relationship well some days 20 percent may be your hundred percent like other in days, menopause other days 50 percent. but you right. know if your relationship is where it should be you're going to get that back at some point and and it's not about keeping score no. it's just 
it's almost like it's like playing a game you know the synchronicity that takes place with teams that play games that you know you can pretty much guess what their next move is going to be and just pick that ball up and run and you know what we call that we call that couple synergy oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh amen that's what Amen. it is. A couple Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. How, how can, if some physicians out there listening to the podcast want to get uh-huh. a hold of you guys, what is the best way to learn more about what you do and to get a hold of you? And to get a hold of your book. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the best way would be to go to our website. It's uh, bestfriendsagain.com. Um, and also we're on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, predominantly those three and the book is on the website can be purchased an autographed copy can be purchased and uh or amazon and this is the book the book has won a couple of awards you know very very proud of it and i wrote it um or i should say we we did in such a way that regardless of your socioeconomic background or level of education there are tips in here. It's easily readable and people are going to walk away with, you know, with something from it. And that's, that's what I wanted to achieve. And a lot of the feedback mm-hmm. that I've been getting that it, it has, um, it has done that. So the title oh, is what's forever for a physician's guide for everlasting love and success in marriage. So Vanessa is the one who came up with best friends again, yes. because we believe that you need to be each other's best friend. Absolutely. You really do. You really do. And, and so you know what it came out of? Listeners I'll, out there, we're definitely going to put all of those links in the show notes so that you oh, can thank go you. directly to the website and you can pick up the book and everything too. Awesome. Good. Thank you so much. Guys, it has just been an yeah. absolute pleasure to be with you. It really has. It's been really great. A lot of good information. We want to thank the both of you for being on the podcast today. This has been thank really you. awesome discussion. And yes. We, we have been honored and what a, you know, what a great way to go into the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're going to go to a movie tonight. <laughs> you know, sharing <laughs> stories is a way that human beings have been uh, bonding and healing and growing since the beginning of time. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, It's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We want to thank all of you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, our home study course, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, or you know a physician couple that could really benefit from the book, please download it and share it and go to their website and get their book. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed 
by Gina Gonzalez.